Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Living With Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. I am your host. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs, and I am an ambassador for Endometriosis Australia. The team there are very busy getting ready for a big one next month. March is all about endometriosis awareness. And March into Yellow is a super fun and easy way that you can help start that conversation about endometriosis and also raise money at the same time. We'd love for you to take part in March into Yellow where you get to wear yellow every single day for the month of March. It'll make you feel good and you get to raise awareness for endo as well. So make sure you get to the website for all the info and you can also host a high tea for Endo March. Get your friends, family together, have some tea, have some cake, make some money and get chatting about endometriosis. For all of the info, endometriosisaustralia.org is the place to go to. Also, we can see all of the amazing team behind this charity who are all about raising awareness for endo in Australia including meeting one of our Endo champions. Her name is Jamie Boskin, and I got to catch up with her on this special episode of the podcast. And she has created a cabaret show that is all about periods and endometriosis. Two things I never thought would happen, but Jamie's the brains behind it. Jamie, hello. Hello. Now you are an Endo champion for Endometriosis Australia. We love you for being part of this family. I love being part of it. So let's start with the beginning. When did you first discover the word endometriosis? It's actually very funny. My mum had endometriosis and I had like actually seen her have the effects of it, but it wasn't until I properly got diagnosed that I feel like I properly heard that word. So that would be 2016 I got diagnosed with it. How old were you when your mum was going through all of the symptoms and the emotions of it? I was 15. So she, I remember it very clearly. She was in a lot of pain and couldn't walk. And my dad took her to the emergency room and they said, look, it's not really anything. You're fine. Go home. Just take some Panadol. And a week later, it, she still couldn't walk. Like it was, had gone quite bad. Mm. So took her to the emergency room. They finally took it a bit more seriously. And she basically had to sign a form saying that, you know, they could operate on whatever they needed to do. So she went under without knowing what was really happening. And she had like a ruptured cyst and the endometriosis was really bad. So at, I think, like, mid-40s, my mum was given a partial hysterectomy. So I was 15 and witnessed all of that. But it wasn't until, like, five, six years later that I really came to understand that my journey with endo was kind of... Uh, similar. I'd already seen it and similar, yeah. Wow, your story and mine is so similar as well. My mum, too, had endometriosis and she oh. was sick when I was growing up. And then it was the same. Like, she got rushed in and ended up having the hysterectomy done and all of that. And then... She then sees her daughter, me, going through yeah. <laughs> all of this insufferable pain. And then it's like, oh, gosh, here we go again. I thought it was yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same. Like, my mom's been at the last two laparoscopies I've had. And I think she's just like, oh, no. Because she, like, knows exactly what it's like. I think that's actually quite lovely as well to yeah. share that it's a really bizarre thing and you've got an understanding of it. And if there's someone listening who may be a mum or a, a daughter and going through the endo journey, when you've actually got that experience to share with your mum or your daughter, it kind of is refreshing because at least you've got someone close to you who you can talk to and not feel crazy. Oh, definitely. I mean, just like even finding out that I had endometriosis, I was like, cool, cool, cool. And then like recovered and I was like, wait, what is it? 
and then you know it's a conversation that we're having that I'm like oh okay that specific memory I have of that instance makes a lot more sense now as opposed to like before you got really crook when you were studying is that right yeah I was in my second year of my music theater degree and it was it was I was at that point I was bleeding for like two weeks consistently and then I would have two weeks where I wouldn't bleed and then I would start that cycle again so I was like bleeding every two weeks that's a lot of blood loss surely you would have been so tired and fatigued and then to be able to go to university yeah so my course was like a 40 hour week so on top of that I was doing like you know we did our performances and there was a lot of work that was not just you know the actual at uni hours and then add in the non-stop bloodshed and different you know PMS and hormones just like running up and down rampant in my body it was I don't know how I did it. Like now upon reflection, I don't know how. It's just your body goes into this beast mode, I guess. You go, oh, well, there's kind of that stigma in the back of our brain going, well, it's just a period and I will harden the F up and I will rock up and I will do this. Yeah, definitely that. But (laughs) I wish wish I'd I'd known that it was okay to like, you know, not be okay with all of that. But I guess that was part of what the journey was going forward. But yeah, at that point, it was like very much like, oh, oh, it's just normal. That's just my period. And then people being like, I don't think that is normal. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) okay. I better start a conversation. So you went to your GP. Did they look at you at first and go, what are you talking about? Or did they have a knowledge around endo? I I actually skipped the GP straight up and just went straight to a gynecologist. And I kind of, yeah. I'd been seeing GPs like in the past. I'd been on the pill as like a teenager and it was like not quite regular, regular. So I don't know. The GPs I never quite went to with that because I don't know. I think I was just like, this seems a bit not normal, the bleeding pattern that I'm currently in. So I feel like I need to just like hit the nail on the head quickly and go see a gynecologist. My gynecologist initially just thought it was like a regular period, just polycystic ovarian syndrome. I what endo was, but I don't think we went there straight away it was first the polycystic ovarian syndrome Mm. for me so we were like trying to get my period regulated with the pill and it just didn't stick and it continues to this date to not stick with the pill I don't know my body just does not like it oh that doesn't sound like a fun time yes I've like I've I think I've tried almost every pill on the market or I'm getting damn close at this point (laughs) (laughs) you should be an ambassador for the pill (laughs) oh god I don't know if I necessarily want to I don't think it reacts very well for me but I definitely could say I have a you know quite a wide range of uh experiences with the with the hormonal contraceptive pill. So you were officially diagnosed in 2016. That was after having surgery? Yes, after surgery. We were already suspecting it before then just because when I mentioned that my mum had had the history, he was like, look, I think there's a good chance you might have it too because the statistics are quite high. Mm. And what did they discover when you had the lap? Um, this always I, fascinates me. Where's the endo yeah. ended up in your body? <laughs> I, it was just in my uterus, I believe. But he, I think my gynecologist at the time came out to my mom, who was in the waiting room and was like, there was a lot of endo. And I just remember waking up from that surgery, like being half drugged, still being like, did you find anything? <laughs> <laughs> They were like, yeah, and I'm like, okay. And then just like zoned back out again. <laughs> oh, we all know that exact feeling. I do, yeah, I've done, I think I've done it both surgeries I've had. And the second time, no one would tell me. So I was like, because I, I, the second surgery I had, I think my gynecologist was like, oh, we'll see, but I don't know. 
but I was supposed to go in for like maybe a short surgery and I kept looking at the time that I could see and I was like oh I must have been in there for a while that must have meant that I actually had endo to clear out because I should that should have been a quick surgery but no one would tell me what was going on and then I thought I had a conversation with my gynecologist as he walked past I don't think it happened I think it happened in my head (gasps) all the drugs How long did it take for you to recover after your surgery? Because every one is different. I know when I had my first one done, they said to me, oh, you you only need a couple of days off work. I ended up having to take three weeks because it yeah. knocked me for six. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the first one, it took me about a week and a half. Mm-hmm. I remember I slowly re-entered the world. I had like a uni like evaluation and I remember I cried the entire drive there and the entire drive back because I was still like I guess you know drugs were leaving my system and Mm. the the shock of it all um and then I I still had to like I was still quite cautious for a couple weeks afterwards so when I went back to work at the time I was working at a pizza restaurant I was like I can't do any of the heavy lifting I just don't really want to risk it but it, I remember as well thinking like, oh, they said it's a couple of days and then like a couple of days passed. And I was like, why am I still feeling terrible? Like I just want to be up and at him mm. and not so bedridden because I think I go a little bit. I mean, this year has not been great for that mindset, mm. but, you know, go a little bit kooky if I uh, don't do anything for too long. You're like me. You need to be doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, what? I've watched enough TV. What more can I do? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of Netflix and chilling after you've had a laparoscopy. Oh, definitely. That's what the nurse said on my second one. She's like, you're going to go home and watch Netflix? And again, I was a bit too drunk to be like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh. Hey, uh, just with working and being at university while going through all of this, were they understanding in your situation? It was very interesting. I think when it first happened, I didn't quite have the words or the, I guess, no, definitely. I didn't have the words to kind of articulate what was going on. And I think a lot of the music theatre industry, which is what I was studying, it's very much like what we were taught at uni is that you like, you know, you come in prepared, you leave your stuff at the door, like you just smile and you do your thing. Yeah. So I just kind of like internalised that quite a bit because I was like, okay, well, how does that fit in with my current narrative with my endometriosis and all this? Because, you know, you're supposed to go in there and smile and tell a story and create an entire life and thing on stage so people can see stuff. So I just didn't know how to articulate it. And I think my uni became better about it because I became better at articulating it. And that was around, I think, the point when I wrote my cabaret because it was a subject that we did at uni. Mm. But before that, I just didn't know uh, how to properly like say it, I kind of was a bit embarrassed, which I'm now not. Now I speak about my period all the goddamn time. Well, because it but, is a taboo topic and that's why yeah. you are now an endo champion because you want to get rid of that and start the conversation yeah, about periods and, and endometriosis. And this is why you have created the comedy cabaret. Um, you have performed this. It's called Overreacting a Period Drama. And yeah. yep, that's basically what it's about. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's how I was able to kind of start expressing how I dealt with it and it became so much more common I think once I kind of come out with that that like people knew Mm. when I'd be like oh I'm in pain they're like oh is it an endo flare-up like it just became casual and it was more part of the conversation but at the beginning I was like I don't know how I was supposed to like oh I've got this thing that's growing inside of me and even though I might look fine on the outside like I'm in a lot of pain but I'm really good at masking it so it was it was a really fun little journey trying to work that out. But I feel like I'm with time. It's it's become easier, and I feel like what I've heard since is that 
at my uni, I think they're now a lot more like open about talking about periods and endo. So. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> and this good. show, like, well done to you. It's toured across Australia. You performed at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival last year. No, 2019, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. What was, was the reaction like when people sit down and it's like, oh, this is a show about periods? Yeah, it's really funny because I think a lot of people, you tell them, and I always kind of enjoy that two-second uh, reaction where it's like thinking, and they're like, oh, you have a show, what's it called? Overreacting a period drama, what's it about? Periods and endo. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like some people are like, oh, my God, I absolutely love that. Oh, my God, that's so great. I'm definitely there. Then I get a lot, oh, oh, so it's like mainly women at your show. But it was like by the end of the comedy festival season, we had a quite even split in the audience of like men and women and it's always a lot of fun to do as a show because I think I don't know why half this stuff has like been in my head but apparently it's relatable (laughs) and I think we make it like you know quite big and fun and educational so that like you know even if people feel uncomfortable there's still stuff they can take away from that that they can discuss and I think that's the best part always after the show is that like people come up to me and talk to me about their periods or their mother's periods or someone else's period, which is always quite funny. And people are always like, I'm going to go like talk to this person now about periods because we've like, you, I now understand it because of your show. And people still message me to this day on social media or whatever, like with questions about endo or their periods. So I call myself sometimes the like unofficial period whisperer. You I feel like I know. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm giving you the official title now. (laughs) Oh, amazing. I'll add that to Endo Champion slash uh, official period whisperer. Well, it's about starting that conversation. And I suppose it's the Australian way to, you know, take the piss out of ourselves and have a little bit of fun around it. So I joke around about my damaged uterus and I think it's just our way of dealing with it all. 100%. And otherwise it's just like, you know, it is, it can be quite debilitating. It can be quite depressing. And Mm. that's, that's obviously so valid. But, you know, as well, I feel like I found a really beautiful community in the endo community that I didn't know would happen when I found out I was diagnosed. Isn't it amazing when you put it out there and then you realise there are tens and thousands of women going through a similar experience and all we want to do is talk to each other and just chat? Yeah, definitely. Now, not only have you created this cabaret show to get the conversation going for periods and endometriosis, but you've also become a qualified Pilates instructor. Yes, actually, because of COVID, I got certified. <laughs> Reformer and Matt, actually, I ended up taking another course. <laughs> and this is all because of COVID. Suppose you had the extra time on your hands. And unfortunately oh, for you, the yeah. theatre industry can't really do much when there's a pandemic and no one can go to shows. No. So this is this is where I've... I said upskill once to a gynecologist and she said, no, it's more like a completely different skill. It's a whole new skill set. And it's impressive too, because the benefits of Pilates on your body, especially when you go through a chronic illness, are amazing. Yeah. I, it's my favourite way to move my body other than like pop cardio dance videos. <laughs> what is it that you love the most about it? I originally came to it with Reformer and then I feel like I found a love for Matt last year, as I'm sure many people did because who had access to reformers. I think it's the way that you can feel quite strong and do a lot of work, but it's that low impact. Like, so I'm, I feel more in control of what I can handle and how I can challenge myself in a way that doesn't feel like painful or too strenuous. I feel like high intensity sometimes for me triggers my endo a little bit more. Mm, I feel the same too. Like it's the very thought of having to go for a run or sprinting scares (laughs) me. 
just because of all the adhesions I've got in my body, but at least Pilates and yoga is nice and gentle in your body. Yeah. And I still feel quite like strong. I think I feel the best when I do Pilates because I feel noticeably better and feel like I can control that strength and the pace. And I am now starting to teach more like faster paced dynamic Pilates, which is a whole different ball game. But I always have a love for the the slower pace and the, you know, more stretching and getting into the body. You should teach a class just for endo sisters. I love the I idea of this nice and slow and gentle and one, you know, because when you're feeling like crap, sometimes the last thing you do want to do is get moving, but it could really help you. Yeah, definitely. And there's so much, you know, you can do about opening up all those areas around our uteruses and whatnot that are a little bit tight. Absolutely. Give some relief. <laughs> In one of the episodes for this podcast, I got to catch up with pelvic pain physio Ruth Schubert, and I learned so much around the importance of your pelvic floor and just taking care of yourself down there. Oh my God. I have been on a journey with my pelvic floor in the last year. (laughs) The pelvic floor physio and the Pilates. Oh, it's been a a dream. Have you benefited from it? I definitely have. I think, so the first place I went and saw for pelvic floor physio, I think closed as COVID kind of started hitting. Mm. But my second one came from like a very holistic approach, which was really interesting. I hadn't considered all these different elements impacted my pelvic floor so intensely yeah so like I didn't even really get you know because of obviously COVID didn't even really do as many in-room sessions so I'd given all these videos at home to do about releasing the sacroiliac joint and all this stuff and I'm suddenly like oh hello <laughs> my pelvis feels great yeah you actually feel like a different person <laughs> yeah so at the moment you're feeling pretty good oh I'm on the journey as per usual to try and get on top of what's happening in my body I think like I'm more active and stronger, but I am still trying to get on top of the PMS and bleeding and pain, which is, I think, the forever journey. It never stops with the pain, even (laughs) after you have had surgery and everyone's different, but it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I feel like, yeah, COVID has not helped. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way that like the stress and all that has unfortunately done a lot of really great work. Mm -hmm. So it's been tricky. Well, with things starting to get back to a little bit of normal, hopefully you'll be able to get your show on the road again and you'll be able to take it to some smaller towns as well, who I'm sure would love to have a laugh along to it. Yeah, we were supposed to do a show in Shepparton in March last year for, and it was going to be a fundraiser, but then it got cancelled. Like everything did as March hit. <laughs> so yeah, it would be so exciting if we could go back on the road and do it. We did want to do some small, smaller towns and get around because yeah it's a I I mean I enjoy doing it I think it's a really fun show and we've had a lot of positive feedback and you know I don't think we could ever talk enough about periods so (laughs) I'll keep I'll keep doing it until the cows come home I love it well Jamie how can people (laughs) find you if we want to give you a follow on Instagram or socials yeah uh so Instagram is just my name Jamie Boyskin uh, we do have an overreacting Instagram page, but it has been a bit quiet. <laughs> but that would be uh, overreacting a period drama. And we also have a website, which is the same, overreactingaperioddrama.com. And what would your one piece of advice be to someone who's listening to uh, this who is new to the endo journey? Be kind to yourself. And your journey, although very similar to others, is different. Your pain and your experiences are valid. So just be kind to yourself. And it's there is an amazing community behind you that's going to catch you whenever you need.
Endometriosis Australia endo champion, Jamie Boyskin, thank you so much for popping up on this episode of Living With Endo. And you are, girl, the period whisperer. Oh, thank you. You remember that? (laughs) I will. (laughs) Thank you so much. Don't forget, you can listen to all of the other episodes of Living With Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. There's a bunch there you can listen to, including Professor Jason Abbott, a lot of people sharing their personal experiences from experts, you name it, we've got it all. And don't forget as well, March Into Yellow and the Endo March High Tees. You can host one and take part in it and raising money for Endometriosis Australia. For all the info, get to endometriosisaustralia.org and I look forward to sharing our next podcast with you soon. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks so much for listening.